Nyala Karich, Wajuk Nyunga Mort, Kayan Karak, Nija Wajuk Nyunga Buja. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast has been recorded on the Wajuk Nyunga lands of Borlu, otherwise known as Perth. Well-being as we know it now has been constructed from a Western perspective. But what happens when we go back to the methods of well-being from the oldest continuing culture in the world? Welcome to Nyunga Wellbeing. I'm your host, Brooke Collard. I'm a Baladong Wajuk Nyunga woman with personal family ties to a lot of our interviewees. In Nyunga Wellbeing, I will be speaking to elders in the Nyunga community about a First Nations perspective on self and community care. One way of healing doesn't work for everyone, so that's why we are going to explore six ways from the lens of Nyungar elders. They will guide you on creating the tools for yourself and others on the path to self and community care. So make a cup of tea and listen to these Nens and Pops yarn about Nyungar wellbeing. Welcome to episode two of Nyungar Wellbeing. Our guest today is Kruda Cornwall, otherwise known as Terry Cornwall. Pop Kruda has worked for the Department of Education, where he was there for over a decade. He has also worked for the Department of Parks and Wildlife for over 20 years, and he recently retired as their state cultural coordinator. Today we'll be speaking to Pop Kruda about the importance of fire in wellbeing. Thank you, Pop, for um, making the time to yarn with me today. So basically I'm coming here to talk to you about Nyungar well-being and I know you're a very revered and respected elder in the Nyungar community and if you wouldn't mind would you mind saying because um, you did this to me when we first met you said who you are and where you come from and where your family come from. First and foremost before I um, say who I am I just want to acknowledge the old people where we are sitting today around Akara and I just want to acknowledge them and uh, past and present and I just want to acknowledge the people that we are meeting today and uh, I just simply say Carla Wonging Wondu Wondu Carla Carla Maya My name is um, Kura Kura means friend or mate and um, I was born in a place called Wajin, me and my dad and uh, Wajin got us named after one of our animals, the old emu, which is known as the wait. Me and my dad were born then, and that's one of our totems. And uh, my mum was also um, born down in a place called Dumbuyang. I've got five children, all grown up now, and um, children of their own, calling cars of their own now. And uh, I've got Ooh. Last count was 19 grannies and three great grannies, plus other pops and nans um, around. So big mobs. I've got a big mob of them. So yeah, and I love them all. That's the um, beautiful thing about our mob is we have such big families, and we include people who aren't just you know your first relations because we're all still related, and you don't say, "Oh, I'm separated by this is my." First cousin, twice removed sort of thing. It's all family. And that's it, Pop, because um, we all want Mort family and uh, Mort blood. 
our mothers and our sisters, we've got more than one mum and we've got more than one dad and more than one grandfather and more than one granny. We've got, we got um, all those connections and everybody that um, is connected to those people. We don't see that as um, first cousin, second cousin. I see that as family. Once we know who you are, then we can put you in the places where your pop or nan or uncle or auntie and then that's where the respect starts. And then we start treating one another like our popper or nan, uncle or auntie. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're um, third, fourth relatives or something, but just knowing where you fit in the family structure. Yeah, and um, especially, I guess, going back to how you said you grew up around Wajin, because Wajin goes back to Waitch, which is the emu, which is also your personal totem. There's a misunderstanding with the Wajala mob, so Wajala's Caucasian people. So the town Wajin has a giant statue of a ram on top of it instead of an emu. So there's a misunderstanding of the language there of the town. Yeah, well, Pop, what it, what it is, uh, with, like I say, the Wajalas who don't understand the significance of that area and from a culture and that, an Aboriginal way of looking at it, that's where all our old people used to live on that land there and lived on the reserves there. And uh, probably because it's a, um agriculture area where the old people used to work on the, on the land there for the, those wedgelers and a lot of shearing took place there. So um, farming and all that stuff for our old people. The Wedgelers didn't have um, understanding where Aboriginal people would come from and what the significance of that area was. So they had to put something up in Wajin that they can relate to because now they have a um, agricultural day where they bring their machines, farming machines in. And like I said, that's a lot of sheep country down that way now. So, yeah, so that's why I think they got their big ram up there now. They should have the weights, the emus, um, up there, because that's where it's got the name after that um, animal. Yeah. Yeah. Today I would love to yarn to you because, you know, this is a part of a six-part series. I'm speaking to other Noongar elders in the community. I've chose six for a reason because we have six seasons in um, Noongar country instead of the four that we've adapted now with Western culture. And specifically, I'd love to yarn to you about the importance of fire and well-being. Fire and well-being, eh, Carla? Yeah, well, fire is very, very um, important in any family structure because Carla is a place of fire, that's home, and Carla is actually a fire. I see fire as a spiritual thing, and if you're wearing, your spirit is mendage, sick then we need to light that fire up within, within ourselves, reigniting the kala, the fire within, and actually spiritually and physically also seeing the fire sort of hypnotise you when you're sitting around the fire and you just everything just leaves and you're just looking into the fire and hearing the noises. That sort of helps the healing side of a person and uh, lighting up your own spirit because if you... If you weren't as mended sick, why would we want to get out of bed? Why do we want to go to work? Why do we want to do anything if our fire has gone out within us? Why do we want to do anything? This is why there's a lot of um, 
lot of our people are lost. This is why a lot of our people are caught up on in the alcohol and the drugs and all this sort of stuff because their weren't is mended, their spirit is sick, and their fire has gone out, and they just don't know how to reignite that kala or that fire to put it back in there to to move forward in themselves. And this is where a lot of our young people are lost. And a lot of our old people are now nointch, nointch, they're gone, left us. And there's not very many of our uh, nyunga old people that I know that are left to, um, to sit down and yarn with about this sort of stuff for our kids. And it's a sad part about it is that it's not only for our mob too, it's for the human race. Because the human race, they're lost in the system too of drugs and alcohol and um, and everything else that goes with it. And if you don't know who you are and why you do what you do, how can you be the best person that you can be if you don't know and understand that system? So fire currently is very, very important for me because I relate to the fire on the spiritual side and I relate to the fire, the colour, on the side where everybody needs fire to cook their meals and, and warm their homes and, and themselves. Because I still make tools the whole way using the fire. And um, without the fire, I can't make the, the tools that our old people used to make. Fire is one of my teaching things that I need to keep our culture alive. Like you said, it's it's not just a spiritual thing, which is, you know, it's probably a new concept to Western culture. Understanding fire is a bit more spiritual other than just, you know, security. Yeah. And it's connection too, like you said, with the cooking, you know, yeah. people come around and yarn. Mm. And see, Pop, fire is very important too because back in the days, the land was farmed with fire, by fire. And the old people knew when to burn in the correct seasons because it brings life back onto Mother Earth, the Buja. It keeps all our animals and food sources and uh, everything healthy because the fire. The other things that are connected to the fire is the water. Once the fire has done what its job on the on the Buja, on the land, when they farm, they farm the land, then the gap rain will come and bring life back to the Mother Earth. Our old people were botanists and they were caretakers of the planet. This is something that we're not doing too good at the moment, but they're trying to introduce the fire back on country, doing programs, which is going to be good, hopefully, to get our young people um, involved in bringing their fire back alive and looking after Mother Earth. Because Mother Earth, she provides everything for us. If we don't look after her, she's not going to look after us. And as Aboriginal people, we just got to, got the right to survive, and our and our right to survive is to look after Mother Earth, because without her, we got nothing. It's very true, Pop. I love one thing that you always say: if Bujar is Mindich, we're also Mindich. So if country is sick, we're sick. Why do you say that? Well, Pop, it's about just say for instance, you came across some stagnant water and it's overgrown full of mosquitoes and um, and all those things that make the water smelly. And when you see that, 
and you as a person tuned to Mother Earth, how does that make you feel if you see that stagnant water and, and that smell? What does that do to all your senses? That makes you um, sad. It makes your spirit and art sad. And this is how I see it. If I see that, then I need to start to think if that water like that, and I'm feeling like I am, I'm feeling sick because I could smell it's not really good and, uh, and something needs to be done about that, then we've got to start to think about what do we need to do to take that smell away or whatever. What do we need to plant back around that water or how do we help to fix that water way up? We are connected to that water because in our body, how much is um, our body made up of? What percentage of water? Yeah, about 70%. About 70%. Well, it's about connections, isn't it? It's all about connections. And if you're connected to that water in your body and then you did something about that stagnant water and it made it feel good again, or made it look good or smell good again, then what does that automatically do to you? What does that do for you? You'd feel really good, wouldn't you? Mm. Well, you'd done something that made you feel good and you'd looked after the waterways and you're looking after Mother Earth. And that's looking after the spirit and looking after the self. Same thing with fire. Fire, same thing. Water, fire and air all go together. Because without the air, we can't do nothing. And our bona, our trees, what do trees do for us? They're creating life for us, really. And and what are they on the earth, what we got? Two sets of? Lungs. (laughs) And what do the lungs do for us? Purifies them and gives us the oxygen. And that's how I see the trees. The trees are like our lungs of the earth. Mm. And if we take them out, if we keep taking them out, then then we got nothing. It's like with the First Nations over in America. When all the fish are gone, then everything else is gone. It's all about connection and understanding what our role as a human being needs to do for Mother Earth because she's been here a long, long time before we come and she can always rejuvenate if there's anything goes wrong on the land. She can always bring life back to it. While we're on earth in this human form, while we're here, we do need to look after it. But Mother Earth, she don't need us. She don't need us. What we need to do, we need to look after it for self while we're on the earth, while we're here. But when we go, she can always come back to our life again. It's the sad reality, isn't it, Pop, that, you know, we need Mother Earth, like you said, but she doesn't need us. So really what's happening in the world right now, we're causing our own extinction, but we are hurting the Earth, but she'll bounce back once we're gone. It's just a matter of do we still want to be here? We need to change what we're doing. And, you know, Pop, another thing too is that we can't do anything for Mother Earth if we're not in the right frame of mind. And if we don't know who we are, and what I mean by that is that, like I said before, a lot of our people are struggling just to survive. Either mental health, a lot of mental health. This is a human thing I'm talking about now. A lot of human beings have got mental health, and sometimes a lot of them are trying to survive doing the wrong things, and a lot of our people are going to jail because they're trying to survive and a lot of them don't know how to survive outside of jail system. And our jail system is just full of our people. I'm always trying to go in the arm with our 
guys and and like I said, take my tools and everything into the system. I can't teach about my culture by just talking. People are tired of talking. People are tired of just sitting talking. And this even goes for the elders. A lot of our young people are tired of listening to elders talk. I don't talk. I just want to go and show them how to make a fire, rubbing sticks together. I just want to go and show them how to make a stone axe. I want to do bush science with them. The hands can do the talking because our people got that inside them and some just need waking up their old culture and their fire, putting fuel onto their fire because it's already there. They're already born into this stuff. They just don't know that. And if you keep talking and talking and they can't see nothing, they can't see anything happening but talking, they're going to get tired of it. But if they can actually see um, somebody making a fire, rubbing sticks together, because there's three traits that we work on as human beings. As human beings, there's three traits in this order that I work on. Inquisitiveness, impatience, and emotions. Because if we're going to do something, if we're going to make a fire, and nobody knows how to do it by rubbing sticks together, so what trait do you think come into play first? Mm, definitely inquisitiveness. Right. Mm. And then when they start I'm inquisitive and then they want to have a go when they can smell because all your all your senses are starting to work without them realising it they're moist smell and the, the moil and the smell will come because they start to rub those sticks together and the smoke will come and then they want to have a go the second trait will come into play is mm. impatience I've seen it in action too did you? <laughs> Well, you just got to have a go. Once they have a go and then they get excited and all those senses starting to come in, this is where we've got to get our people to, or anybody to, is we've got to get them to those two traits and we have to get them into the state of emotions. Because when they get emotional, it either can bring out a lot of sad stuff or it can bring out a lot of exciting stuff just by doing that to get them to that emotional point. Yeah, um, because you were talking about making the fire and first it's inquisitiveness and then impatience and then the emotions come through and then the two responses you see from people. Yeah, because once once you get to the emotional state, you either can be happy, make your court European, happy in your spirit, become more happier. And if people get to that stage and get that understanding, then we can move forward. Until we get to that point in our lives, then nothing's going to happen. We're always going to be behind the eight ball trying to catch up, I suppose. And for me, it's, it's about connection and my identity as an Aboriginal man and, uh, and my role as an Aboriginal person. And not only as an Aboriginal person, but my role as um, a father, uncle, teacher. Yeah, you name it. It's all about role-playing and, and knowing what we need to do for self and then others if if they want, you know, if they want to find out who they are. Yeah. Just for me personally, because this is something I find sometimes people don't quite understand and they can get, I guess, not upset when they don't understand, but when we talk about making the fire, it's always the men that work to start the flame. And, you know, it's amazing because you bring together not just Aboriginal people, but people from all backgrounds because you're showing everyone that we all need to work together to create that wonderful outcome of creating the fire. With that, it is all men that, you know, try to start the flame. Women can help with, you know, possibly blowing on the flame to keep it alive. But um, 
I guess for people who don't understand pop, how there is men's and women's business, why is it important in our culture that we do have men's and women's business? Well, pop, that was from day dot. And today, you know, like culture over a period of time have changed. See, let's, let's take, for instance, um, in the Olympic Games, what are the women are throwing? What type of thing are they throwing today um, in the Olympic Games? A thing called a javelin. They're throwing that now for a sport thing. What's the design of the javelin? Kitch, spear. And back in the days, our men used to use the kitch and spear for hunting. But now they updated a culture and they took that idea of the spear to implement it into the Olympics by making javelins out of it. They took our culture and our ideas and they updated it into things like a rocket. The rocket is designed like a spear. And only what they done was they took stuff from Mother Earth and made fuel out of it and to send these things to the moon, to mica the moon in a shape like a spear. Another cultural thing is um, the Kali, the boomerangs. Wadley's took the idea of the boomerang and designed the rotor blades of a helicopter. Smart old Noongar fellas, but the Aboriginal fellas, he never got no recognition for it. But the Wadley's took that idea and updated it. And the man that did that design of the helicopter on the boomerang is on a $50 note. So people are interested in finding out a bit more history for their own understanding and their own learning and teaching, then they need to do some research for themselves so they get more information. Because, like I said before, a lot of our old people are anointed, gone left us. So it's up to younger people. And there is a lot of information out there. There's a lot of stories. There's a thing called um, Mr. and Mrs. Google. And if you want to find out more about the culture all you got to do is google it there's a lot of information regarding our culture is recorded in books and in dvds and cds now so it's up to the individual to do that also for the wedulars i've got a saying to live in rome what is it you got to do do as the romans do well that's no different here in noongar country if you're in noongar country and we are the first nations of this country the budja then hey out of respect for this Buja and the people that have been here, learn the language of the land that we're on. Because if we went to someone else's country, then the first thing out of respect is to learn their ways and protocols. So we fit in, so we don't disrespect them or disrespect their culture. And they'll tell us and share with us what they need to do. That's no different here in Noongar country. It goes right back to a lot more pop about our country. It was taken over because... I'm going to tell you like it is. Once the Wojtlers from other countries put their Jenna, their foot on our budja, that's when all the Guna came. Guna and the rot came in because everything changed after that. We were living in harmony with everything. We had our men's business, women's business, and the teachers, the birds. Everything that you possibly can talk about were our teachers. And all we were just caretakers of them all. All we had to do is live in harmony with all this stuff that was given to us. It's like the Garden of Eden, if you want to put it in another sense, where the Creator made this place and then he put somebody in charge. And those two people were, as you might know, in the biblical sense, who? Yeah, Adam and Eve. There you go. And just to care for that place. This is the Garden of Eden. And all we do is look after it. Like I said, when the wheatless came and when the ships came here, everything changed because they saw it as land belonging to no one. And it wasn't being used, but they only looking through their eyes because they didn't see any fences, they didn't see any buildings, they didn't see that we were caring for the land in our own way and the land was caring for us. And we lived in unity together with the land. Because of that, 
they put their own rules in and everything started to change and they started to make Aboriginal people... Well, they disempowered Aboriginal people because we couldn't do what we had to do. When they stuck up fences and we were charged with the police for trespassing where we just walked freely and Aboriginal people share everything. They shared everything. And they had totems and there were things in that line that you could hunt and um, eat and there's things that you couldn't do that because they were your totem, your family. And everything was done properly with cultural protocols. But now you jump over the fence and you go and steal a sheep, which they did, and they got charged for it and they was even shot for it. We shared our kangaroos and our animals with the white fellas. But as soon as they took the sheep or anything, they were charged for stealing. So all the culture stuff broke down because the Wadlers didn't understand about an ancient culture and the people that lived here and cared for everything. I can go on and on with that sort of stuff. Mm. And that's what's created a lot of our, what you see today, a lot of disconnection. A lot of our people are caught up in the drug system and the alcohol system and the violence. And it's even now turning into a human thing. Non-Aboriginal people are getting into this too as well. You know, How do we break that cycle? Because it's just one big cycle. But for me, Pop, all I can do for my understanding is to keep my fire going. And that's important for me to keep my carla going. Like I said, the spirit, the fire and the warmth of the fire. That's all I've got left. And plus my own little family. Well, I'll, I'll rephrase that. My big family. Because I've got a big family. And, and all, I wanted, all I want to do is just help them to be able to be part of my fire. Thanks for listening to this episode of Noongar Wellbeing with me, Brooke Collard, and my guest, Kuda Cornwall. You can find more episodes at sbs.com.au slash Wellbeing, or follow the series in podcast apps like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the SBS radio app.